Hi, welcome to Bookie. Today we will unlock the bookman's search for meaning by Victor E. Frankel. When it comes to the conversation of finding meaning in life, people often find this topic to be a bit deep and far from our reach, when in fact, it is a topic that is closely associated with our lives. More often than not, we find ourselves depressed and in pain due to certain negative experiences, experiences such as losing a job, breaking up with our spouse or loved ones, or being involved in an accident. These experiences have the tendency of making us question our self-worth and plunging us into a deep state of depression and hurt. When faced with these situations, we often associate the source of these negative emotions to anything that makes us feel unhappy. However, we rarely come to grip with the core problem, which is the fact that we are yet to find meaning in life or at least, have lost grip of it. You might wonder, what does this book offer to bring us out from these situations? This book offers a way out of depression and negative emotions through the use of logotherapy. This concept, when applied successfully, is certain to reignite your passion for living by helping you find meaning in life. It is worth noting that the birthplace of the concept of logotherapy is Germany's notorious Auschwitz camp during the Second World War. Many are familiar with the bloody and criminal history of Nazi Germany. Yet, only a few know that those who survived the inhuman torture in those concentration camps weren't as thrilled and happy to be free. To them, it felt like hitting rock bottom again. Why you may wonder, who would be unhappy to be free of such inhumane circumstance? The reason for this will be clear to you momentarily. The book Man's Search for Meaning was named one of the 10 most influential books in America by the Library of Congress. The author of this book, Victor E. Frankel, was a Jewish-Austrian psychologist. During World War II, Frankel gave up the opportunity to flee to America for the sake of his aging parents. Hence, the whole family was imprisoned in Auschwitz camp. Facing such damning circumstance, Frankel was neither demoralized nor pessimistic. Not only did he strive to survive, he used his personal experience in Auschwitz to create logotherapy, thereby helping many people find meaning and rehabilitation from extremists. He has published 39 works that have been translated into 34 languages and sold around the globe. To better understand Victor E. Frankel's teaching from this book, we will discuss the key points therein in three vital parts. In the first part, we will discuss the background of the concept of logotherapy. In the second part, we will take a look at how to find meaning in life. And in the third part, we will highlight the three-step method to achieving meaning in life. Chapter 2 Let us begin by explaining the meaning of Frankel's logotherapy. Logotherapy focuses on finding meaning in human existence and also the pursuit of such meaning. According to logotherapy, the effort to discover meaning in life is the primary motivator for man. Uncovering the background of the concept of logotherapy is linked to the journey of psychological changes among victims in concentration camps. The atrocities committed at Auschwitz are forever infamously etched in human history. The stories are gruesome and the description of such unholy places haunt the morality of sane minds. Yet, Frankel's depiction of concentration camps is different from anything we have seen or heard before. Unlike most writers who have narrated this fiend history of Nazi Germany and their concentration camps through researching various historical sources, Frankel himself has been an inspiration to some of these recollection of history.
having a Jewish identity, he was forced to be a prisoner for three years in the murderous grounds of Auschwitz. Yet, it was also in these extreme circumstances that Frankel began his research on logotherapy by carefully observing how the conditions within the concentration camps affected the lives of inmates and their mental state. From the moment prisoners were ushered into the camps, the daily food ration consisted only of little dry bread and watery soup that had only few pitiful peas in them. These meals could barely feed a child. In addition to the lack of food, the prisoners had little or nothing to wear to fend off the cold, all they could do was shudder in snowy weather. Furthermore, they were tasked with heavy lifting work like digging railroads and laying tracks every day. They couldn't afford the luxury of being lazy when working, if they worked any slower than they were ordered, they would be maliciously targeted by the camp guards, and a merciless beating often ensued. Being beaten, scolded, insulted, and left to starve after a hard day's work would be excruciating to anyone, but to these prisoners, they considered themselves lucky, they knew there were mainly two types of prisoners, those who labored and starved, or those who were executed because they were considered no longer useful. To these starving prisoners, at the very least, they were still alive. Once a man had outlived his usefulness in concentration camps, he is most likely to be put up for execution. As narrated by Frankel, on his first day in camp, the new prisoners were divided into two groups under an officer's half-hearted command. One of Frankel's friends was assigned to the group on the left, and later, when Frankel asked, an old prisoner told him that those assigned to the group on the left were considered too weak to work. When Frankel asked where those weak prisoners would be taken, the old prisoner pointed to a distant chimney, the chimney of the gas oven. That's where your friend is, floating up to heaven, the old prisoner said. Those new prisoners were both resentful of the injustice and grateful to have survived. That was the earliest reaction of the prisoners upon their entry into Auschwitz. A state of shock. Those who had managed to survive soon realized that their luck would be short-lived. They became overwhelmed by other atrocities committed on them in the camp. These tortures were so bad many prisoners opted to commit suicide rather than finding the courage to live in such extreme environment. From his observations, Frankel came to the conclusion that those who chose to bear these tortures and keep themselves alive usually have a strong purpose helping them navigate their ordeal, that purpose was finding meaning in life. He also realized that for those who chose to take their own lives, regardless of what once motivated them to live, the moment they decided to commit suicide, their meaning in life had ceased to exist. Life in concentration camps was so insufferable, captives froze and starved to death. Others who did not meet such fate were shipped to gas chambers and gas ovens to suffer an indescribable death. Considering the fact that death was inevitable regardless, it is not far-fetched to assume that captives lived in constant fear and anxiety, on the contrary, that wasn't entirely true. Given that it was a shocking revelation for the prisoners to find out that their lives could be taken at any moment, it was only the first stage of their adaptation in the camp. After the first stage, things pivoted to an unexpected though logical direction, the stage of apathy. Due to their prolonged fear and repression, prisoners became apathetic, they became numb, and entered a state of emotional death. How could Frankel tell? He noticed that prisoners began to turn a blind eye when they, or others, suffered from abuse. It was as though they were in a movie theater watching a movie about abused prisoners who meant little or nothing to them.
They even became numb to the fear of being taken to the gas chambers and gas ovens. They thought, if they wanted to end their own lives, gas chambers was not a bad option, gas ovens would even reduce them to ashes without worrying about body decomposition. Meanwhile, despite being equally apathetic, people who had already given up on life were different from those who were still clinging to their purpose in life. While the apathetic nature of the former came from an acceptance of the fact that they could die at any time, the latter's apathy was only a kind of self-defense mechanism. Their innermost expectations and desires for life had not disappeared, they were concealed and protected. One thing that could pinpoint the difference between those who wanted to live and those who preferred to end their own lives was the cigarettes in a prisoner's hands. Frankel notes in his book that to see whether a person had the will to survive, it would depend on if he or she smoked or not. This was because cigarettes had a very important role in concentration camps. They were given to senior prisoners or camp guards in exchange for food. Through this exchange, ordinary prisoners had more means to survive. But for people who no longer wished to live, food became a dispensable luxury to them. Therefore, they would keep the cigarettes for themselves to smoke before committing suicide, as if a cigarette before death was a fitting end to their miserable lives. This stage of experience provided a valuable reference for Frankel's research on finding meaning in life. He found that people developed a greater desire to live when faced to make grave decisions under extreme conditions. Many prisoners never considered suicide despite the unbearable conditions within the concentration camps because in their hearts they knew they had families who were waiting for them to return home. Just as much, Frankel would always hold his beloved wife and his research on logotherapy in his heart as a way to relieve some of his pain and depression thereby urging himself to live on. From that point, it became clear that one can be spiritually motivated to find life's meaning even in extreme situations. Many prisoners failed to survive the camps and chose to take their own lives. Thankfully, those who had made it out alive regained their freedom, the third stage. Although they had regained their freedom, and while it is expected that this would be the end of their ordeal, it instead slid them deeper into distress. On the day prisoners in Auschwitz regained their freedom, they had mixed feelings. Frankel narrated in his book that one of the prisoners asked another if he was feeling happy about their liberation, to which the prisoner who was asked shook his head in bewilderment, he wasn't happy at all. They were all afflicted with a psychological disease called depersonalization. When a person is in a state of mental tension for a long time, he or she would face a specific kind of greater danger after liberation, especially in the case of a sudden disappearance of such enormous mental pressure. Those prisoners who suffered in concentration camps had lost the ability to adapt to normal life or perceive happiness because they had lived for a long period of time in continual repression, fear, and psychological imbalance. Certainly, there were many concentration camp survivors. For them, the courage that has kept them alive was the thought of being reunited with their families. Unfortunately, many of these prisoners returned home only to realize that they will never be reunited with their family members because they were no longer alive. With that in mind, it isn't difficult to understand why many strong-willed camp survivors failed to find any purpose in life after their liberation. Meanwhile, some liberated prisoners were gradually losing their sense of morality. One incident that will illustrate this point was before liberation, 
one of Frankel's fellow prisoners stuck a section of his arm in front of Frankel and said viciously, May this hand be cut off if I don't stain it with blood on the day when I get home. Meaning even before gaining his freedom, he had already taken the pledge to inflict a fraction of the pain and torture he was subjected to onto someone else. Just imagine such mental state, that as soon as a prisoner regains freedom, the first thing he or she did after being abused for a long time in a concentration camp was balancing out the damage he had suffered by hurting other people. Although the tragic incident was over, the mental destruction it had left behind would take a long time and professional psychotherapy to heal. Frankel felt that he had a responsibility to help those troubled survivors get out of the trauma suffered from living in the concentration camps. Therefore, after regaining his freedom, Frankel gave up moving abroad and stayed in Vienna. He stayed in order to sort and perfect a manuscript, which included his logotherapy research, as well as what he saw and heard in the concentration camps. Moreover, he used the manuscript to help camp survivors and many more distressed and disoriented people to find meaning and purpose in life. Well, that concludes the first part of this bookie, understanding the background of the concept of logotherapy. This part was discussed while taking a look at three different stages of the psychological changes of prisoners held in concentration camps. The first stage is the stage of shock where they realize the gravity of their situation. The second stage is the stage of apathy where they developed an apathetic mechanism of self-defense. And the third stage is the stage of freedom, where despite regaining their freedom, their mental state of depersonalization plunged them deeper into distress, leading some liberated prisoners to act immorally. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.